All right, well, my name is Brian Asker. I forgot to say that earlier. Uh, my wife is at home. Uh, we are the co-pastors here at Crossview Rosa Parks. Uh, my wife's at home quarantining. Uh, seems to be the, the word of the year, and lots of people are doing it these days, I hear. So uh, my wife and my son are at home uh, this week. Uh, sad not to have them here with us. But this past week, I uh, dropped the grill tool on the kitchen floor, making a mark. Kind of disappointing. That same night, I also managed to leave the grill cover on, and it rained. I, uh, I also made my kid cry, and I, uh, I played the wrong alpha video for my church small group. <laughs> and that was just Tuesday. And those are just the mistakes that I was aware of. I'm sure I made a number of others. And the reality is that we all make mistakes. In fact, this morning, uh, if you're online, you probably noticed we had a little blip, and I think even the room, we maybe noticed that we had a little blip. Uh, we had some audio issues uh, with our live stream, so we had to you know, change things around. We all make mistakes. It happens. And you know, sometimes you just want a do-over or a mulligan, right? Wouldn't it be nice if you could have a mulligan on your day? Or maybe even on life sometimes. So, you know, sometimes life is just that way you want a mulligan. Well, D.H. Lawrence uh, said, he was an English writer and poet, he said, if only we could have two lives to live. The first one in which to make our mistakes and the second one in which to profit by them. That would be nice. Well, the Apostle Paul, uh, writer of much of the New Testament, writes it this way, I do not understand what I do. For, I, I want, for what I want to do, I do not. But what I hate to do, I do. We're in a series on life's big questions. Thinking about some of the things like, is there more to life than this? Who is Jesus? Why did he have to die? Why and how do I pray? Why and how do I read the Bible? How does God guide us? And today, we get to wrestle with the question, how can I make the most of the rest of my life? And how do I resist evil? Especially when we, or at least I, make so, mistake, so many mistakes, that would be helpful. So, we're in uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, at the beginning here. If you want to open up your Bibles and join us, otherwise it will be on the screen, uh, either online or in, uh, in the room. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in this passage, Paul is encouraging the Romans, and therefore us, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And that may sound a little strange, because it is. But he's using language that they understood. See, for the people in the ancient world in Rome, for them, as they thought about this, 
they understood that to make a God happy, you had to sacrifice something to them. So he's using language that they understood, this sacrificial language. And what he's suggesting is that our sacrifice, what we give up, is the way we live our lives. So how we live our lives, the dreams that we have, the things that we hope for, as we give those up to God, we are sacrificing our bodies, sacrificing our lives to God. It says that we shouldn't conform. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you think about that, what are the patterns of this world? Well, the world would tell you, make as much money as you can. And Jesus would say, what would it look like for you to give your money to others? The world would say, fight for your rights. Make sure you can get all that you deserve. And Jesus would say, what would happen if you gave up your rights for others? If you think about some of that, it might sound a little scary to give up your money, to give up your rights. But God wants the best for you. God loves you and cares about you and wants to give you good things. In fact, God doesn't actually want to take away the good things that you have in your life. God has given those to you. He's blessed you with them. So God isn't asking you to give away those good things. He's not asking you to give away your good traits, the things that are good about you. What he wants to do is he wants to redeem the broken parts of you. So you think about all of those mistakes that you make, or at least that I make. God wants to use those and redeem those. So let's take a look at a couple of those and think about them. Let's start with the money one. Money is one of those things that you can do a lot of things with. Maybe you can make a lot of money. Maybe you make a lot of money. Maybe you don't. In either case, I'm reminded of a shirt that I wore. It was fairly popular when I was growing up. And it's sort of a twist on another popular saying. And the shirt said, He who dies with the most toys... You thought it was that. For those of you online, they said win. But the shirt actually said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. (laughs) Nice twist. And so uh, money doesn't make a good primary endeavor or primary uh, ambition. It makes a great secondary ambition. When we begin to put Jesus as our primary ambition, when we begin to put the kingdom of God as our primary ambition, money can be a fantastic secondary ambition. Think about all the things that you can do with money. You can help, if you have a lot of money, you can help eradicate a disease. Bill Gates has a foundation, has given tons of money to Rotary. They've nearly eradicated polio. And money can do those sorts of things. Even little bits of money that maybe commoners like you and me can give can make a difference in the world. We can help people who are poor. We can help those who need help in our world with money. So it makes a great secondary ambition as we put Jesus as our primary ambition. I have a friend who works in advance, who used to work uh, in advancements at the the Ohio State University. Uh, She now works at Duke. uh, But she tells the story of a curmudgeon old man who made a ton of money, 
but he held it really tight. Near the end of his life, he gave away a significant gift for the university. And he told my friend, I have so much joy. I wish I would have done this sooner in life. And I think that's a great example of how money as a secondary ambition can be a great thing, but when it is our primary ambition, it can get us into a lot of trouble. All right, so then let's think about our words. You know, our words can tear people down. We can really hurt people with our words, but our kind words can make somebody's day. In fact, teachers can say a kind word and make somebody's life. Such power in the words that we have. And it can make a difference in people's lives. And on some level, it doesn't cost us a lot to say a kind word. We can give them away freely. But if we think about it, a lot of the things that we need to give to the Lord cost us a lot. There's a sacrificial element. Time, I think, of one of those things. We can give our time, and that's such a commodity that we hold on to today. We can give our house. We can give so many other things. And I don't know what God is asking you to give of, but I know this. Whatever God is asking you to give, it's totally worth it. Because as we give, as we give to others, as we give to the Lord, we get so much more back. We gain joy. We can give our talents. And these become an encouragement to other people. Well, when we live in God's will, we do make the most of the rest of our life. But unfortunately, we still struggle making mistakes. We still face evil in this world. So what do we do about that? What do we do about our mistakes? What do we do about evil? How do we resist those things? Well, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul also writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And what I want you to notice is that our struggle is not against each other. It's not against flesh and bones. It's against the devil. We are facing an enemy that wants to seek and destroy us. In fact, 1 Peter 5 says, The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The alpha material that we're using in this series puts it this way. The devil wants us to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. God wants us to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. Such a good word. The passage goes on to say, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So the first piece of the armor of God that we are invited to put on is the belt of truth. 
And what is truth? Truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. In fact, it's the opposite of hypocrisy. It's authentic. It's, in, it's integrity. And it's this openness in our lives. A life focused on Jesus is a life of truth. The second piece uh, that Paul encourages us to put on, he says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. In other words, we can think about keeping our relationships right. Keep short accounts. Don't let things linger for a long time. Seek forgiveness. If you mess up with God, ask for forgiveness and move on quickly. If you mess up in a relationship with somebody else around you, ask for forgiveness. Get your relationship back with God right again and do the same with other people. If you can deal with it quickly, you can ask for forgiveness. It's so freeing. He goes on to say, and fit your feet, uh, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In other words, don't just sit around and do nothing. Get involved. Get, get out serving. There are great opportunities. We can think about the Connection Shelter coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, as a church, we're going to be serving at the Connection Shelter. Great opportunity. Get involved in all sorts of service. My wife and I serve meals every uh, Friday at uh, Rosa Parks Elementary. Great opportunity to help the kids. In addition to all this, it says, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. In other words, the devil is going to throw stuff at you. He's going to throw doubt and fears, anxieties and lusts, all kinds of things. And when life's difficulties come, don't give up your faith. Ask God to give you the faith so that you can extinguish the lies. It says, take the helmet of salvation, which means freedom. Salvation is freedom, which is what Jesus brings to us. Temptations tend to start in our mind. Then a thought becomes this action, and the action becomes a habit. And that can be really destructive. But if we take the helmet of salvation and we put it on, it reminds us that we can't save ourselves, that only God can do that. Jesus can help us with that. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, I really encourage you to get to know your Bible. Read it daily if you can. Jesus was tempted, and when he was tempted, he replied with verses. He knew his Bible, and it was his defense against the evil one. Finally, Paul tells us, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Prayers keep us close to God. They help build our relationship with God. Paul writes, don't be overcome evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So don't go through life saying, I just didn't harm anyone. That's not a great way to live. It's not a great ambition. How about doing some good? Living a life of good. There's so much injustice in this world, so many things that are wrong, and so much can happen when we give ourselves to God, and when we join God in the fight against evil. Through Jesus, we can resist evil. We can make the most of the rest of our lives. And what God wants us to do is to give us our whole life. And we give that to him by admitting that we've messed up, that we're broken, we make mistakes, and that 
we accept that Jesus is the only one that can forgive us, that can help us with those things. Jesus, the only perfect person, Jesus' death was for us. Jesus rose again, overcoming death, overcoming our brokenness. And we now have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's the power that's going to help us overcome evil, overcome the things that we wrestle with. So if you've never surrendered your whole life to Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. To do that by admitting those things, accepting Jesus, and then asking to follow Jesus. It brings freedom and it helps us to make the most of the rest of our lives. And if you're struggling with evil, you're struggling with the mistakes and things, the brokenness in your life, I want to encourage you to pray the armor of God on a daily basis. We do that in our house. We pray the armor of God each and every day that we would be able to resist the evil one. Shoot. Elam, can you go grab grab the book out of my backpack? Um, I want to close with the story um, of a woman named uh, Catherine of Siena. That's the book. Perfect. Um, She was an amazing saint uh, in the 1300s, did some amazing things. Thanks, Elam. And I wanted to read her story because they put it well in this book. Be who God meant you to be. And you will set the world on fire. That's exactly what Catherine of Siena did. Born Caterina Benincasa in the Tuscany region of Italy, Catherine grew up urging people to love God with all of their hearts. She was a joyful child. At just six years old, she received a vision of Christ seated on the throne of glory. From that moment, she became quiet and solitary. She resisted her parents' efforts to dress her in fine gowns and jewels. And when they arranged a marriage for her, Catherine cut her long hair and joined the third order of St. Dominic, which allowed her to become a member of a religious order while living at home. The Dominican sisters taught her to read. And at 21, Catherine received another vision. She became bolder, evangelizing among the poor and imprisoned. When the bubonic plague, or better known as the Black Peg Plague, uh, Black Death, swept through Siena, the area that she lived in, she earned respect by nursing the worst cases. Instead of running from it, she ran towards it. Popular and admired, Catherine wrote hundreds of sermons and letters urging repentance. She reminded others of Christ's love, that Christ's love, not the nails, held him to the cross. She became involved in politics, negotiating peace between warring city-states. And Catherine gained such a reputation for holiness that even the Pope listened to her advice. And at the age of 33, Catherine died from a stroke, dictating words of spiritual encouragement to the very end. And as I thought about that story, I thought about how we can make the most of our lives by being all that God has created us to be. And we can set the world on fire. That's the vision that we have here at Crossview Rosa Parks, to help you become all that, you, that God has created you to be and to help you set the world on fire. Let's close in prayer. God, thanks uh, for today. 
Thanks for the opportunity to gather around your word, to hear from you, to help us think about how we can live our lives fully. Help us to follow you, to give up our lives, and to do the things that you have for us. Help us to resist evil so that we can join you in bringing good to our world. Amen.